The Start On Demand. On demand. Big change at Sobeys as of tomorrow, Friday, January 31st. No more plastic bags. We'll speak to the grocery chain about why they're making this change and we'll ask you, how will you adapt to this shift? Big time delays in construction due to Manitoba Hydro are becoming a big time problem in both the commercial and residential sectors. We speak to the provincial Crown Services Minister to see if we can get to the bottom of this. And have you ever laughed at the misfortune of others? Watched a video this morning of a man in a rather uncomfortable situation, and it just made me laugh. So we want to know, have you ever laughed at somebody in a bad spot? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, January 30th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, right out of the gate. Greg Mackling, you were just saying to me that uh, your boys... Suffered a rather difficult defeat yesterday on the hardwood. Yeah, it's going oh. to be a lesson. I was thinking it was curling. I, I was like, I hardwood. Hope, yeah, no, <laughs> so basketball. It's a sports reference, Brett. Ba- basketball. <laughs> I know I don't know the sports thing as well as Greg, but. <laughs> go ahead. I apologize. <laughs> basketball, go. Normally 12-minute quarters. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, these were only eight-minute quarters in junior high basketball. Okay. They were on the short side of a 75 to 18 beatdown. That is difficult. That score again? 75 18. Oh, those poor boys. <laughs> I hope you took them for ice cream or nah, something. I took after. them to Subway. <laughs> and I just said, you know, I don't care what the score is. I don't get, care if you get a single basket. Just work hard. That's all I ask. And, you know, that was less than. Always obvious uh, after they got behind in that first quarter. It was like, they did, you know, don't worry about the score at that point. Just work harder than the other team. And uh, so that was our lesson yesterday. Well, and it's funny how when you say something like that, how it can trigger just sort of an avalanche of memories. Because that brings me back to grade 8 at a Coal Region Park where... We had two basketball teams because we had so many people who tried out that the school said, you know what, let's just create a second team so we'll have, like, a good team and then a second team, which will be, because all it was all, like, people who had never played basketball before, but we wanted to learn because uh, I like to play with my friends, but I had never played competitive basketball, whereas the other guys had been playing for a while. So we all worked hard. But we were terrible, and I remember one game we were at John Gunn, which is on Madeline in Transcona, and we were down fifty to nothing oh. at halftime. Oh. At halftime, how do you go back point? out? How do you go back out? That's character building. Yeah, that's when you start to say to yourself, you have to find the win. So it's like, we're not going to win this game. We're not going to win this quarter. Can we win this minute? Let's try to win this minute, guys. Like, well, all you can do is just do your best after that. Well, and the big win for us, and it, this was more of a uh, just sort of a moral victory, uh, because when we finally played Ecole Region Park 1, we were Ecole Region Park 2, we actually held them I think through the first quarter, the game was almost, they only had like a two-point lead on us, and the coach of the other team called a timeout, and he was just, he tore them to shreds. He's like, what are you guys doing? These losers are almost beating you. <laughs> In the same school? Yes. Oh, was he a teacher? Yes. 
Yeah. Hello, Monsieur Rondo. <laughs> this is us he over used, here. He used the word loser? I think he did, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, but they, they went on to, to lay waste to us. But being able to stay in it, that I think all of the other losses sort of added to that moment. Because yes. we were able to come together yeah. and play hard. So it was character building. But it was hard, man. It was hard getting wasted every single game. I'm just remembering the time. I think it was in Suris, Manitoba. I gave up a goal. A guy just shot the puck down the ice, basically clearing the puck. And it, if it had not been on net, it would have been icing. And I went down to cover the puck to stop it. And it went right underneath my glove <laughs> oh, and wow. into the net. And I was 10 or 11 years old. And I just stood there. And, of course, the tears start pouring of out course. here. Cause we lost that game 15 to 1 or something. And it's just, <laughs> you know, character building is one thing. Uh, I, I don't know. I would not... I would not go back and do some of those games where we just got obliterated. Uh, but maybe I would because I, it, it does it does create a certain sort of resilience sure. in you when you when you get knocked down like that. And I think too for kids, it gives you an example. Like you, like it sounds so cliche, but you don't know how good it is to win until you know how point. it is to lose, right? So I mean, what's the fun? Of, I mean, yes, great, it's fun to win all the time, I'm sure, but it, it doesn't feel as good if you don't know what that loss means. And it's the same. It gets back into that philosophy of you know some of the, some of those sports kids get medals all the time. And so <laughs> even so even when they lose, they're like, well, where's my medal? And it's like, yeah, that's not what a medal's for, right? <laughs> well, so, they stop keeping score in some of these leagues and these games and the mercy rules now. I don't mind some of the mercy rules. You don't need to put up on the scoreboard that it's 70,000 to nothing. But Mm. but kids know. Kids (laughs) kids come out of the locker room and they're like, oh man, we beat that team 42 to 8. And you're like, how do you know there was no score? They're like, yeah, we were counting. Like they of know. Of course they're counting. Like, they're, they're at six, they know. So I, you know, I, like the the losing's hard, but again, it feels good to win. Or in Brett's case, you know, you get a couple points, or you beat the good team, or you find that one victory. And it sits with you. It feels good. Yeah. And this conversation actually kind of ties into what we're doing at 645 because there might be an instinct to laugh at a team who gets beat. 50 to nothing or 72 to, what was it, 72 to 18? I got it right here. 75, 18. 75, 18. I took a picture of the scoreboard. <laughs> oh, boy. For what? Huh? Well, I'm going to blow it up. I'm going to put it on their bulletin boards in their bedrooms. What do you mean? What, for what? This is called inspiration, kids. <laughs> Never let right. that happen again. So, yeah, we want to talk about, have, we want to ask you the question, have you ever laughed, whether you meant to or not, at mm-hmm. someone else's misfortune? Because... They, I was showing a video this morning, and I don't even know if I can describe it. I, just, yeah? Uh, Should I just, just very briefly offer a synopsis? Please, Ten yeah. seconds, go. Okay. It's a video of a man at, a, I believe, a baseball game, and he is um, he's vomiting on himself. And it goes on for a long time. Minutes. Yeah, so it's disgusting. It is, and but I, I said you should watch this video, and then you laughed. St- like I couldn't even look at it. I don't know why I recommended it, and then you laughed hysterically for like a good minute. Yeah, at this poor man's misfortune. I know, and I don't think I was laughing. I wasn't laughing like mocking uh, at him, like yeah. pointing. Ha ha! Look at the look at no, the, the big man who's in a rather troubling spot. It's the ridiculousness of yeah. it, almost right. Yeah, it's just comedic that it goes on forever. But this poor guy is clearly suffering and I just can't couldn't stop laughing and that made me think of another time where I laughed at somebody who fell down <laughs> and uh, so we want to know have you ever laughed at someone what do they call it schadenfreude 
It's funny because it's not me. The official, <laughs> the official uh, dictionary definition: pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. There's a scene in Family Guy from years back where Peter is having problems with his vision. So he's got a walking stick, and he's got sunglasses on, and he stands up, and just as he stands up, Stewie pushes an ottoman in front of him, and then this. <laughs> oh, my God! I almost didn't do it. I almost didn't do it. I thought, is this in bad taste? But you know what? I went for it. I went for it, and I am so glad I did. Oh, worth it. Totally worth it. So Stewie is clearly enjoying himself at someone else's expense. This is a conversation... That was inspired by a, it's it's a horrific video. It is. It's a, a video of a man. At Please horrific. Don't, Please That's don't a perfect. Describe it again. Okay. It's well, horrific. Yeah. He's at a baseball game, and let's just say he's a little sick to his stomach, and uh, you can imagine from there. But I, when I saw the video, because everyone else was saying, "Oh, it's horrible. It's gross," and I put it on, and I started laughing hysterically for, just for an extended period of time, I, to the point where I'm like, "Are we still watching the same video?" And every time I turned around. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, he goes on to throw up for a quite an extended period of time. The fact that you press play on the video despite <laughs> what we were telling you maybe says all we need to know about your oh, that desire get. to, to says, see don't this. don't watch something, oh, you know I you're going to watch it. Yeah, and that video yeah. feels like like it's a, like an SNL sketch with, with Chris Farley from 25 years ago. <laughs> Farley wouldn't have done that to himself, would he? Oh, on TV, it's, it's yeah. disgusting. But I, so I took I, I took pleasure. I wasn't mocking him, like I wasn't laughing and saying, "Ha ha, look at the stupid man." But it just it made me laugh, and it made me think of another time where I was sitting on a bus, <laughs> and uh, I was sitting right by the back entrance, and this woman went to get off the bus, and then she fell off the bus, and my initial reaction was, <laughs> and I started laughing. I felt awful for it because I think she hurt herself, but mm. I, I still laughed. And this guy who was getting off the bus behind her says, what the hell's the matter with you? <laughs> <laughs> he got called out for it, too. Oh, yeah, I got nice. called out for it. And, and he, I think I just threw my hands up and said, I, I, I'm I ashamed know. of myself. I don't know what's the matter with me. No one else found that funny. That happens. I've, oh. la- I've oh, yeah. definitely laughed at people falling. Like, do, laughed do you- hard. First, take the half second to make sure they're okay and like the fall didn't kill them. Sometimes the laugh laughing. comes out first. <laughs> like, it just, like, I fall in curling all the time and everyone laughs. And every, it's happened so often that people forget to say, like, are you even okay? It's almost like it's a shtick, like I'm Kramer or something. Just like, <laughs> oh, here I go again. And nobody, no, people like it'll take ages to be like, oh, by the way, are you okay? Like, it's funny. <laughs> well, did you start reading Denny's text message before the break? Denny says there's no such thing as inappropriate laughter. Laughter is an unconscious impulse to the unexpected, an expression of nervousness, a spasmodic tick signaling an emergency flood of dopamine to the brain, a defense mechanism so old that it likely predates language and is claimed by many to be the greatest medicine of all. Wow. That's true. That Reader's Digest says so. <laughs> Is that where you got it from? Laughter is the best medicine. Well, Do you have a subscription? What was that, Robin, what was the Robin uh, Williams movie where he plays the doctor? Patch Adams. Happy Patch Gilmore. Adams. Right. Yeah. Happy Gilmore. No. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> so is Denny suggesting that if you laugh, that cures the ailment quicker? 
Like, if you hurt yourself, is that the idea? Or if you laugh at the person, do they feel better? <laughs> no, they don't feel better. They do not feel better. Let's just start laughing at Let's be clear. That was a far side cartoon where the, da- the three doctors are gathered around a patient, and they're pointing and laughing at him, and it just says, testing whether or not laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> I'm guessing in that case, maybe not so much. Have you laughed at someone and felt bad about it? Uh, well, some t- I don't know if I've ever really felt bad about it. My, um, <laughs> my, uh, a friend of mine, he went out uh, ice fishing uh, out on Lake Winnipeg, and he his face was beet red. He got such a horrible sunburn off the reflection, and he obviously didn't say anything to anybody. And then I went over to his place and I opened the door, and he just has a big smile on his face, and his it was it was it was like glowing red. And uh, I just <laughs> broke out laughing at him, and then he goes, you know. His face just totally changed, but uh, he was expecting something like that. So Yeah, I remember my um, husband got a sunburn uh, when we were living in Israel, and he would never wear sunscreen. And I was like, it's different over here. The sun's hot. you got, you got to put it on. So he like half did it, you know, just kind of annoyed with me. And he got a sunburn on his chest in the shape of the continent of Africa. I'm not joking. <laughs> and I could not stop laughing. And he was in so much pain that night. And I was like, you're an idiot. Like, I, this you funny. were warned. Yeah. Like, so that kind of stuff is like, you can't, you have to laugh at oh, that. Of course you do. That's just not being smart. And, and you know what? And you got to be the butt of a joke every now and then. Like I, I was, I went to Disney World, and um, my feet were just destroyed. I wore sandals; it was a disaster. I should have wore better f- shoes. And so, anyways, I was soaking my feet at the end of the day, and I'm getting the, you know, the the FaceTime in my face. Everyone's laughing at me as I'm soaking my <laughs> look at my horrible, uh, you know, blisters and stuff like that. So you got to learn. You got to laugh at yourself every now and then. You, yeah. you wore. Sandals to Disney World? Of course, I'm not wearing shoes. Did you shoes. do any research? Absolutely not. About how much walking you do at well, Disney? Well, I, I, I hate <laughs> socks. I hate <laughs> socks. I will not wear them in any instance if I don't have to. Do you have so socks I on wear, today? I, well, I, yeah, I have to wear them. It's winter outside. <laughs> but I wouldn't otherwise. I hmm. need Melissa to call in because she's texted to write... When my husband and I were still dating, he was using a staple gun and had it facing the wrong way. Oh, no. You figure the rest out. Good Lord. (laughs) Melissa, did you laugh, though? Did you laugh? I think she's admitting that she laughed quite heartily, in fact. I've I've seen seen this on the internet a bunch of times, but I've seen somebody drive into their uh, underground parking. I'm sitting at a red light, and I'm looking at their car, and you could see the nozzle of the gas station. The, the, the nozzle still in their tank. Oh, God. And Drive away with the nozzle and the part of the hose dangling behind? Yeah, and the thing is, like, this person had no idea no it was clue. there. No clue. And uh, I, it, all I could think to myself, like, I laughed at it, and then I thought to myself, I wonder how long it's going to take him to realize that he has that sticking in his, his car. Because I know with me, when I park my car, I don't go to the passenger side because that's where my tank is. I, I leave, so could have been Good point. It might be a long time before you see that. Yeah, I mean, we, we might feel guilty for laughing at people or if, if there's a pratfall or something, but how long has America's Funniest Home Videos been on? It's a really good point. Forever, like, like 30 years. Yeah. National it? Geographic's got a great show called The Science of Stupid, Yeah, which uh, it, it's just people falling and doing dumb things and getting hurt, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Can I take you back to 2 BC? Yeah. Two years before children, Jackie and I were in the convertible one day going out on a date, and it was a beautiful sunny day, sun shower, we're on Springfield Road, pours down on us. Jackie had spent probably an hour getting ready, and I'm sitting and I'm laughing. She's what are you laughing at? I'm like, if you cannot laugh about this, what else are you going to do? You know, you can't cry about it. It was great. It was hilarious. Text message at 204-780-6868. I took a video of my buddy 
throwing up in his backyard after a couple too many drinks and laughed my keister off about it. <laughs> I still play it back when we get together for drinks. Always gets a laugh. If you've ever laughed at someone else's misfortune, text us 204-780-6868. We'll keep that conversation going through the morning on the start. Up next, we're going to hear from Stephen Colbert, who on Monday night shared an emotional story, an emotional connection to the tragic death of Kobe Bryant as it pertains to his own family. But right now, Loren McNabb, what is happening with doctors in this country? Well, a couple questions for our listeners and for you two. Uh, wondering if you're able to visit your family doctor at nights or on weekends. Is that uh, an option? No. Okay. When you go looking for an x-ray or a blood report, has it been emailed to you or can you access it online? No. No, have to phone, find out okay. what's going on. I think that. Do you think remember I, me? Do you know who I am? <laughs> I think that speaks to a lot of Manitobans and Canadians because there's a new survey by the Canadian Institute for Health Information that found uh, some good and bad news when it comes to our access to family doctors and our access to our own information. So part of the good news or the growing good news is about 57% of Canadian family doctors are now offering clinic hours on weekends. 50% of them. Sorry, it's 57% on weeknights, 50% on weekends. So that's great. The bad news is access to your own healthcare records is not so good. It's rarely happening. And in fact, when it comes to digital services, Canada is lagging way behind other countries, even on something simple like renewing your prescription online. Tracy Johnson is the Director of Health System Analysis for the Canadian Institute for Health Information and joins us now. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning. Let's go over some of these numbers. What are they showing when it comes to just how easily, or perhaps the word is not easily, we can communicate electronically with our doctors or even get our own records? So we surveyed about 2,500 primary care or family physicians across Canada. And what we can see is that we've gone from about 37% way back in 2009 to about um, 86% of family physicians across the country now having electronic medical records. Um, But what we can see with that is they haven't, we've been on the adoption curve, so now we need to move into the use of those and using them in a more um, advanced way so that we can organize our practices better, bring up uh, alerts for vaccinations or glucose tests. Right. You make a good point. I think I got a vaccination piece of paper in the mail from my kids the other day, just advising me on when their next appointment would be, which in theory I had missed because the paper came so late. So why there wasn't an email and an alert saying this is your vaccination year or all the rest is a pretty simple thing that can be done. Well, that's what we're seeing in the data is, well, now we're starting to use electronic means to record your health history. We're not using other electronic information systems to do things like that, to allow you to access your family doctor by booking an appointment online or even asking a medical question. And that um, reverse... um, communication out to you is also not happening just yet. Tracy, are there any privacy laws that are standing in the way of fully implementing a system like this? So provinces each have jurisdiction over their own health and all provinces across Canada, along with InfoWay and the federal government, have been working hard to ensure that those structures and those policies are in place so that there can be better sharing of information. What we do see is that well, doctors have their own EMR, they don't talk to each other yet. And so there's a technology piece to that as well as a privacy piece. Well, you even see that uh, for just from department to department in hospitals uh, in terms of digital records. You know, they, they, the one department doesn't have access to information that another department might have, and then that can create all kinds of headaches. Yes, 
absolutely. That is the one area where we are starting to see um, a little bit more progress. Patients and physicians have more access to hospital portals to see some of those kinds of things. But the coordination across departments is still not there. Now, I know um, there's conferences that take place on digital health records and how to do better regularly. I think there's one in Calgary this weekend. Is there something other countries are doing or other jurisdictions are doing that we could copy easily, like in terms of what would be our next step, Tracy? So some of the next best steps are to try and use that record, some of that advanced functionality in those records, and think about other ways to have patients access care, as we were talking about with email or um, booking appointments online. There's enough variation across this country that we can learn from each other. No one province is good at all of these things. And there's there's also variation between Canada and the Commonwealth Fund countries so that we can learn from those countries as well. E-health overall has been a something that's been a priority for over a decade. And I guess it's just slow going, Tracy. It's a, a big process to embrace and to make happen over such a, a, a large jurisdiction and something that we're, we're so careful about. Yes. And for all of those reasons, what you have to remember is the Commonwealth Fund countries, too, have been on this journey longer. So they have passed the adoption phase, and they're now into the coordination and use phase. And that's where we're hoping Canada is moved now that we have most family doctors with an electronic medical record. Is there data that shows some provinces that are, are doing it better than others? You know, where does Manitoba fit in this equation? Well, so as you mentioned previously, we can see because of the increase in group practices, we can see that there's weekend and weeknight appointments in some of the provinces are doing better with that from an access point of view. Um, In Manitoba, what we see is you're on a par with the Commonwealth Fund countries with respect to the to the weekend and the weeknight appointments. But what we can see is you do better with coordinating social services in Manitoba through your family doctor. You're on a par with the Commonwealth Fund countries and some of our other area some of our other um, provinces don't do that as well. Tracy Johnson is the Director of Health System Analysis for the Canadian Institute for Health Information, joining us live on CJOB. Tracy, thank you very much for this. Thank you. You can read more on this survey. Go to our 680CJOB Instagram story. We have linked it there. Here's a text message on the subject of laughing at someone else's misfortune. And this listener says, My husband was complaining about a sore ear. Being a nurse and my girlfriend, she suggested I flush out the wax with water. My hubby looked at me and asked if the water would come out the other side as I fell off the chair laughing, I said, I hope not. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Gosh, if it does, we've got bigger problems than the wax in your ear. We've got nothing between the ears. You ever had that uh, that flush done? No. I've not. Apparently it feels really good, though. Where do I go for this? What's that? Where do I go for this? I just, I went to a walk-in clinic because there was one point where it, like, it, it does start to hurt. And I thought, what is going on in my ear? So I went and he said, oh, you just got a wax buildup. It's probably because I wear headphones all day at work. And then I go home and I have these headphones so I can watch TV and not disturb my neighbors. So I always have headphones. So this wax builds up from time to time and I need to get it flushed. And uh, it kind of feels weird. But once they 
when they once it pops. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you you feel like almost superhuman, like oh my god, I can hear so much better. <laughs> well, you see these videos. Uh, I saw one of the little girl the other day that got glasses and could see her mom mm-hmm. for the first time. And then there was that video that was going around on Twitter uh, last week, and maybe sporadically over the last few months of the woman that gets her hearing back at. 40 and the emotion involved. Obviously, it's nothing compared to that, but you can relate somewhat when you have a plugged ear or you've got that water in the ear and you oh. finally get it out. I know the first time I put on glasses and I could see the sign across the street, I went, So that's the way that's supposed to look. <laughs> it, it really it really changes your perception. So you know I want to know where I can get this. Uh, maybe we need to start a business. I think every every guy I know would go and get their ears flushed like once every couple months. You know what you should not do, which I just unfortunately did? What did you do? Google earwax extraction. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's not it's not pleasant to look at, but it feels I, great. Oh, is it ever not? But it's like a, I can't look away now. <laughs> Fascinated. The, the look on her face is priceless right now. If you have any experience with that, feel free to text us 204780. Don't sec- do 60- not send me pictures. <laughs> really? After what you watched yesterday? All right. Yeah. And also go to our Facebook page, the 680CJOB Facebook page, for your chance to win tickets to an amazing show happening tomorrow night at Burton Cummings Theatre, Diavolo, Architecture in Motion. It's an amazing display of acrobatics and we are asking you the question, have you ever laughed at someone else's misfortune? Give us an example, and we'll pick a winner later on today. What's happening tomorrow at Sobeys? Yeah, this is a first for Canada, or at least a first for a national grocery chain. Starting Friday, tomorrow, Sobeys is removing all plastic grocery bags from its 255 stores. So they say that that will account for, you know, millions of dollars in plastic grocery, sorry, millions of plastic grocery bags, pulling them out of circulation every year. So they're going to eliminate these bags in the Sobe stores starting January 31st, which is tomorrow. And then after January 31st, other banners under the Sobe's brand like Safeway, Freshco, Foodland will also work to phase out single-use plastic checkout bags from their stores. And so this has given me pause for thought, not because I think it's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing. And I'm actually, I'm always frustrated with the number of grocery bags I end up with. You know, you have that container that you hold all the bags in because you're going to use them later at the very least. That's your hope. But I always have way more than I will ever, ever use. And so I know I'm bad at this. I know I need to bring my own bag. That's what they're recommending. They're also going to sell reusable bags for 99 cents, smaller reusable bags for 25 or 10 cents. So there's going to be options. But the goal would be to go to the store with those bags in your trunk, which I never do. Do you guys? No, I always forget. And with regard to those reusable bags, our house is now overrun with them. I thought... Your story about where you keep your plastic bags, or you did in your previous apartment, Brett, was always amusing to me. And the the idea that, you know, if you just, if you need a plastic bag, just go to Brett's place because he's got 10,000 of them if you're opening a a store. But we are now (laughs) overrun with these fabric bags because a a lot of places have taken the initiative. Uh, Lululemon is one place where you get a reusable bag when you make a purchase, and we don't ever buy anything at Lululemon in our house. very sarcastic there. So Lululemon and then the Sobeys bags that people buy and and we've bought a few of them to to keep your stuff, the cold stuff cold and the hot stuff hot when you go. Costco, we've had one of those forever. It just feels like there's a ton of them, but none of them are in the back of my my car and I need to fix that. 
Yeah, I uh, I did. <laughs> what Greg was talking about in my previous apartment, Lord Harrow Apartments at Corden and Harrow, in my broom closet, I had this little sort of cabinet with all my cleaning supplies, and I would just sort of chuck the bags in there with the idea that they would just take up the bottom layer of the closet. But there was one point where it was almost the entire closet was just full, where I actually had to force the door shut. And if I opened it, I had to open it very gingerly to make sure that the bags didn't sort of fall out like an avalanche and envelope me and swallow me whole. And yeah, when I moved out, I ended up throwing out mm-hmm. two garbage bags full of plastic bags. Well, here's a number Sobeys put out that in their 255 stores, they put out or give away or sell or whatever you want to call it, enough plastic bags to wrap around the world twice oh every single year. So that's a ton. Of, that's a ton of plastic and a ton of waste from one grocery store. The problem is going to be, like, am I going to be pulling up to go shopping? And I I don't have a store that I'm committed to, quite frankly. I'll go wherever it it works in my schedule. So it could be Sobeys, it could be Safeway, it could be Costco. But I am not prepared to carry everything out into the car. That's fine. I can put it in the cart, I guess, and put it in the trunk and have no bag. Do they have... Gives the kids an option. Do they have one of those pick and... Can you pick and pay with Sobeys? Can you go online, pick your groceries, and then go pick them up? Because I'm just curious if... They're going to have things for you to put your groceries in when they pick your groceries and then you go to pick, pick them, them up. up. Is it going to be reusable bags or boxes? Mm, no, maybe boxes because they probably have a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Question here from one of our listeners. What are they going to do with those thousands of bags that they'll ultimately be left with Great question. at the end of business tomorrow? We might want to ask them that. Big change coming tomorrow at Sobeys. As of Friday, January 31st, Sobeys is removing all plastic grocery bags from its 255 Sobeys stores across Canada. Violet McLeod is a specialist with public affairs at Sobeys and joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Violet, good morning to you. Good morning. Let's just start with the date. So as of, or says starting Friday, does that mean there'll be no more bags in the 255 stores as of tomorrow morning or tomorrow's kind of the last day you'll see those bags there? So tonight at midnight, that's when all of these single-use plastic checkout bags will be no longer offered. So tomorrow morning, bright and early, bring your reusable bags. What are you doing with some of those leftover bags? Because I imagine there'll be some in all these stores. Where do they go? We've been working through all of the bags. There's not that many left in stores. Uh, Over the last six months, we've been going through that inventory. Any that are left are going to be returned and to our supplier and recycled appropriately. So lots of conversation on this. I, I never imagined really that this would be such a divisive topic, but it has been somewhat, Violet, and I'm sure you've had some pushback from some of your customers, uh, including some of our listeners asking this morning. Uh, one in particular I'd never thought about, health concerns and the whole idea of bringing those usable, usable bags back into a store. And the one that I had attached to that was the idea of you always keep the chicken separate when you bag my my stuff. Am I going to have to bring something for the chicken so it doesn't touch my my red peppers? If you have something to bring, please do. Um, we, we love seeing reuse, but we will still offer those light produce and, and meat bags so that we can maintain food safety and separate products within the bags. 
Where did this conversation start? Why are you doing this in terms of uh, the impact and you hope to have in the environment? And who, who came up with it and said, you know what, we need to lead the way on this one? It was our customers. So we uh, had customers across the country talking to store managers, cashiers, um, sending in letters and asking for a switch and asking for a change. Um, And once we crunched the numbers on those bags, when we stop offering single-use plastic checkout bags, we are going to take 225 million bags annually out of the system. Uh, And that's enough to go around the earth twice. So it's a pretty significant change. Now, you you will be offering paper bags for $0.10, large reusable grocery bags for $0.99, and smaller reusable bags for $0.25. Just curious, uh, how are paper bags, like how is using paper bags uh, better than plastic bags? So the most sustainable option is definitely consistent reuse of those reusable bags. But we know people forget. It happens sometimes. So we are going to offer those paper bags at the charge of $0.10. And they are sourced from sustainably milled forests for the paper that goes into them. So we're paying attention to the impact those have as well. And we're using a portion of the proceeds to plant trees in Canada from those paper options. So I was asking the question out loud about uh, uh, click and collect and uh, delivery service. Sobeys isn't quite there yet, but I know you're looking to offer home delivery in the next uh, several months in this calendar year based on what I've read this morning. So what will you be using in terms of uh, delivering groceries down the road, Violet? We do have a really exciting um, new new banner, new grocery home delivery uh, called Voila, which we'll be launching in the spring. I'm happy you brought it up. We are super excited for it. Uh, we are looking at how to keep that sustainable and, and manage the impact of delivery. We have been actively looking into that, and uh, we'll share more in the spring. Obviously, this is a, an environmental f- initiative, but there has to be a pretty big cost savings for Sobeys if you're pulling out 255 million bags a year or 200 plus million bags a year. So there's got to be good for the bottom line, too. So it's not about the bottom line. Um, we really stepped up and did it because we were asked to. And we will still be offering paper bags as well as reusable. So there still will be um an option there that we're going to be bringing in store. Um, And and like I said, a portion of those proceeds are going to planting trees. So at the end of the day, it's not a numbers game. It's really just doing what's right for our customers and honestly for future generations. My nearest grocery store is Safeways, which is under your banner. Uh, I know that you'll be looking to phase out single-use plastic bags at your other stores as well, Safeway, Fresh Co., Foodland, etc. When is that going to happen? So we did commit to that. We are going to be eliminating single-use checkout bags across our banners. So Safeway included, IGA, Foodland, everybody. Um, We started with Sobeys uh, so that we could do the the testing and do it responsibly. And we will be announcing dates for Safeway soon. and, And I'll share them once we have them. All right. Well, Violet, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Violet McLeod is a specialist of public affairs at Sobeys. And you can weigh in at cjob.com on our question of the day, which is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Sobeys is eliminating plastic bags on Friday and replacing them with paper bags for 10 cents and reusable bags for 25 and 99 cents. How will you adapt? So far at cjob.com, 52% say I already bring my own bags. 31% say I'll shop somewhere else. 10% 
I'll get a reusable bag, and 7% say I'll use the paper bags. I got to admit, I kinda, I'm kind of intrigued by the paper bags option because that just seems like kind of an old-timey thing. It feels very old school to come in with your your parcel in your paper bag and carry it down the street, but they're also Parcel. Hard. Nice word, Grammy. It's, it's hard to... I'm going to have my slacks on, <laughs> pour myself a drink in my tumbler, get my paper bags... Have myself a real day. <laughs> well, those paper bags are different now because they come from a sustainable source. Sure. We had no way to recycle them before. And they, they, I mean, let's face it, they did get soggy and they break in the bottom. So a sort of a hybrid solution, I think, is what they're looking at here. And there are some people who are texting us right now who are very suspect of Sobe's uh, reasons for doing so. Are they just looking to be environmentally friendly? Are they really being all that environmentally friendly? at the end of the day and I mean I'm not going to say that Violet uh, didn't tell us all the facts there but do you believe for a minute they're not saving money in the end? I think they have to. They're be. saving. It's got to have an impact on their bottom line. Is that the reason that started the conversation? And she says no. Fine, that could be her, that. that could be her answer. But there has to be saving the money. And I do think in this day and age there's a competitive advantage in going down this road because we are increasingly becoming a society that cares about those things or are prepared to say, yeah, I, I want to shop at the place that starts to have a more sustainable look to it as long as it doesn't cost me more, which is part of the equation too for most consumers. We really do want, I think, the best, but cost is a big thing. Convenience is a big thing. Time is a big thing. And one thing that's funny for me, as she said that, I always forget to bring the reusable bags for all my groceries. But if I don't need it, I will not grab one of those produce bags. I'll just put the peppers right into the cart. I'll put the celery right in the cart, the salad right in the cart, and then I'll put it in Tupperware containers or whatever when I get home. So there's a whole other, there's all sorts of other plastics there that need to be considered. And not just the grocery stores, the industry, like your plastics and your fruit that you grab and your the styrofoam for your meat. You mentioned meat, Greg. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of other places this needs to go. Well, there are people who shop at Costco all the time that are going, they don't give out paper bags at Costco. They never did. There's always been an alternative at Costco, and that's to either bring your own thermal bag or they reuse the boxes quite effectively at Costco. I wonder if that's an option at Sobeys, Safeway, and some of these other grocery chains. They go through hundreds, if not thousands, of boxes every day. Are those going to be an option to pack my groceries in when I go there? Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, one of the conversations we've been having this morning is, have you ever laughed at someone else's misfortune? And Jeanette texting us at 204-780-6868. Listen to this. A few years ago, my husband stepped into an underground yellow jacket hive while fogging our backyard at the cottage. Unbeknownst to us that this had happened, my daughter and I laughed and laughed as we saw him running across the yard screaming and slapping himself all over And we continued laughing at him as he quickly turned into the elephant man, developing huge hives on his forehead, cheeks, lips, neck, and back. We even had time to take a few pictures, but our laughter quickly stopped when he keeled over in a dead faint. I had to rush him down gravel roads for half an hour to Pinawa Hospital as he was going into anaphylactic shock. He recovered, thank God, and once he was safely back with us, we were able to laugh at it again. The nurses had counted over 26 bites. Oh, wow, that's horrifying. Friends like that? Who needs enemies? No kidding. (laughs) I can understand the laughing as he's running around because you don't know what's going on. No. But but still laughing as (laughs) As he's he's swelling up? 
Maybe well, he was laughing too. I, and honestly, that's a perfect example of, you know, an allergic reactions. And I'm perhaps more sensitive to this because my kid has an allergy. But you, you're, it's the example of how you don't see the life and death thing of it until you're in it. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, these bites could actually kill someone. And I can, so I can appreciate that in that moment. It's, you know, what movie was I watching that was on TV the other day? Hitch. And Will Smith ate some seafood and swelled oh. all up and then started drinking <laughs> some right. Benadryl and got drunk on Benadryl. And it was right. this whole funny thing, unless and unless you go down the road of your airway closing and not very funny, right? So it gets made, that kind of stuff gets made fun of all the time. Delays from Manitoba Hydro. Yeah, when an economy is growing successfully, as we mentioned earlier this morning, it generally means that there's construction occurring in both the commercial and residential sectors. Manitoba is seeing strong growth in both those areas. That growth is happening despite, according to leaders in those industries, a challenge in connecting to Manitoba Hydro infrastructure. Richard Marshall is a design manager with Bird Construction. He says the delays are approaching an unpalatable length. Here's Richard Cluche. Marshall works in commercial and mostly industrial building construction. Most of the projects we have, uh, we have to uh, apply for um, uh, hydro at the start of the project. And we found that dealing with Manitoba Hydro is um, becoming one of the biggest hurdles that we have to overcome in terms of bringing a project uh, to fruition. Uh, It used to take about three months uh, to get service into a building uh, uh, from point of application, and it's now stretching out in excess of eight months, and that's becoming a major problem. So what does that process look like now? Uh, they've uh, changed uh, personnel around uh, over the years. It's uh, difficult even to find somebody to uh, talk to to start an application process. Uh, they don't uh, publicize the names of the customer service reps. You have to figure that out on your own and keep your own records uh, of it. Uh, the only way to apply for service is uh, online. Yesterday, Rich and Julie spoke with Scott Powell, who uh, represented Manitoba Hydro on these airwaves. Now, with his take on the situation, we're joined by Jeff Wharton, Crown Services Minister in charge of Hydro. Uh, Minister Wharton, thanks for taking some time with us this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Good morning. Now, have you heard similar complaints, or is this the first time you're hearing of concerns regarding the amount of time it's taking uh, commercial developments and residential developers to connect into the hydropower grid? Well, again, the great question. And, uh, you know, we started uh, almost four years ago uh, with our uh, red tape reduction task force, knowing that there were uh, issues out there with uh, moving forward with, you know, economic development and some of the areas that were stifling economic development. And that's why we undertook the planning review uh, that uh, we uh, commissioned uh, uh, last June. And uh, the report from Dr. Murray now is uh, is out on the uh, on the table and we're moving forward uh, we're looking forward to moving forward with legislation look there is a problem there's no doubt um, hydro must do better and needs to do better as we go forward some of the complaints were the delays in service obviously and also the fact that the customer service is a challenge and so we know a few years ago there was a mandate for manitoba hydro to close two dozen district offices which were home to customer service and then we also know within the last year and a half there have been the layoffs in the tune of hundreds of manitoba hydro employees and we have some of our listeners telling us this morning that in their opinion they can date back some of these lengthening delays in construction to those layoffs so what in your mind is the correlation between perhaps a loss in staff and delay in service? 
Well, I can tell you, Loren, that, and thanks for the question. Like, bottom line is that we know that there's issues with uh, with delivery and the model that's being delivered right now. So we're focusing with uh, with our stakeholders and Manitoba Hydro to ensure that that model improves. I mean, the bottom line is this is not new. Uh, this has been going on for some time, and we've been working hard collaboratively with uh, Manitoba Hydro and our other stakeholders to ensure that we get this model right. Because, quite frankly, eight to twelve months. Uh, for a permit is just not acceptable. But it is new, in, according to some of our listeners and builders, in the sense of, you know, it might have been four to six weeks in terms of getting somebody on site to that lengthening three, four, eight, 12 months. And so therefore, in, as far as they're concerned, there has to be a pin, a point that we can look at on the timeline that would said, says something started happening at this point in time that started seeing a change in service. And we know it might be more in Winnipeg than it is in rural areas, but, but there has to be something that we can look at that would indicate that, which might be a staffing equation or other. Well, one of the areas of discussion that we've been on going with, uh, with uh, in particular with Manitoba Hydro, Loren, is, again, we're not looking in the rearview mirror here. We know and we recognize that there's an issue with timelines, and we know that it's, it's hurting economic development in, in Winnipeg and in Manitoba. So, again, going back to the planning review, when we rolled out the planning review, we knew that uh, it wasn't just the planning, not only the city of Winnipeg and across Manitoba, but it also encompasses the Office of the Fire Commissioner and Manitoba Hydro. So we all need to row in the same direction to ensure that we grow the economy and we work together to to have uh, timelines that are balanced, uh, safe. Again, safety for uh, the public is number one, and we move forward in a collaborative way. So, you know, our goal is to continue that process. And uh, again, quite frankly, uh, we need to do better than eight to 12 months. Okay, so we all agree on that. We've had our opportunity to complain and moan about what's been happening. What is the timeline in terms of getting this corrected? And uh, Minister Wharton, what would be a reasonable time once these changes and this review is implemented and discussed for contractors to have their project approved and hooked up to Manitoba Hydro. So, Greg, uh, one of the recommendations out of Dr. Murray's report was, uh, again, to look at legislation, and we're, uh, we're moving forward with that recommendation. We're looking forward to introducing legislation very soon. Um, as you know, our spring session is coming up, so we know that uh, time is of the essence, uh, not only uh, for our contractors, but for the, for the economic growth of, of our city and our province. So uh, we're looking at this very seriously. We're working with Manitoba Hydro, and uh, we want to move forward in a timely fashion. And I, and I believe we have. We've done a number of, uh, for the past three years, we've done a number of uh, uh, initiatives like the Red Tape Reduction Task Force moving forward. So we've identified those issues. We're working uh, to, uh, to ensure that we implement them in a timely manner for the betterment of all Manitobans. One of the things that has also been raised is the cost and the change in the structure to adding a line. Say if you're a farmer who has a, a extension you want to get to your property, that cost might have been way less than it, you know a few years ago than it is now. And I'm curious about the timeline on that. I think, if I understand it right, it might have been as little as five or ten thousand dollars, potentially even free. And at some point within the last four years, that cost structure has changed. So has a message gone to Hydro that they need to be charging more for that, or do you have any sense on why we'd be seeing those kinds of increases for to install from say five to ten thousand to thirty to forty thousand? Uh, Loren, I have no uh, knowledge of that whatsoever, uh, quite frankly, and that would certainly be uh, an area that uh, would likely encompass the planning review and uh, Manitoba Hydro's uh, participation in that, because obviously when we look forward, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, some of those areas that in particular are maybe not uh, 
uh, are having a, a negative effect on moving forward with a with a permit or a project. So those are areas that I'm sure that will be encompassed in the, in the planning review. But do you know of any messaging from government that would have said, you know, when you were elected, why are we offering this service so cheap? We need to increase the cost because this is a costly service. Was there any mandate given from government to Hydro to say, let's start charging more for some of these things? Nothing at all. Minister Wharton, one last one for you. I, I, I like the fact that there's an acknowledgement here that uh, planning and permitting, uh, whatever community you you are in, is part of the building process. You're, you're a partner in in hand, working hand in hand with developers and builders. And hydro is in that same situation. And the sooner this gets fixed, I, I think the the happier everybody's going to be. Well, I couldn't agree more, and, and absolutely that's the, the goal here is to work collaboratively with our stakeholders, Manitoba Hydro in, in particular, and, and ensure that we can move projects forward. Look, we want to see... We want to see more cranes in the ground and more building and more shovels hitting the ground right across Manitoba because we know it's great for our economy and it's great for Manitoba. And so we're, we're excited about uh, the future, but we definitely have some work to do and we're going to move forward on it. There was a question raised by the builders. Uh, one of the key guys that we spoke to and played a clip from, Richard Marshall, design manager with Berg Construction and also from the, the Builders Association, Home Builders, about perhaps a culture. Is, this, is there a culture issue at play when it comes to a crown service? Well, a good question, Loren. And uh, again, uh, we know that uh, we need to look at all aspects as we go forward in the review, and, and culture will definitely play a role. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I come from the private sector, as you may know, and uh, I can uh, I can tell you that uh, in the private sector, you you need to be uh, it's it's real time, and I, I think we need to adopt the real time attitude uh, right across uh, we, as we have in core government and right across our crown. So. Those are areas that we're really looking at building on. Look, customers first, and, and that's, the, that's the mindset we need to have, Loren, and, and that's the mindset that we're working to improve, uh, not only at our crowns, but right across core government. In uh, business and in sales, Mr. Wharton, you, you'll know that the, the next question is an imperative one if I'm trying to close a deal. When can I check back in with you on this matter? You know what? I think spring is coming. We'll wait for what the groundhog says, but let's hope it's early. And we were looking forward to moving forward quickly. Jeff Wharton is Crown Services Minister in charge of Manitoba Hydro. Thank you very much for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.